Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and following. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, I'm Zach Packey. Sean Mustin. And uh, we have the delight here of being at Refresh Conference here in Ankeny, Iowa. Uh, some of your our listeners have had an opportunity to connect with us in the past, over the past couple months, and uh, know that we were going to be here. And we have the joy of interviewing Dr. Jim Tillotson, president of Faith Baptist Bible College and Seminary here in Ankeny. And uh, we have a great opportunity to talk with him about uh, something that's very, very impactful. I've heard him speak on uh, often before. And that's the idea of internet accountability. And uh, we're just delighted to have him with us and looking forward to a, uh, a great time together because I don't, it's, it's a big deal nowadays. And it's something that is uh, a very powerful and, and necessary, uh, necessary thing we need to, to get together about. So, Dr. Tillotson, would you be willing to just introduce yourself to our audience and talk a little bit about yourself, your family, your ministry, and kind of what uh, – make sure you put a plug for faith because faith is awesome. So – uh, I'm an, it's my alma mater for those of you who don't know. So, uh, I'll pay you later for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I came here eight years ago in the fall of 2015. I had been serving up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at Meadowlands Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd had the privilege of planting four churches out of our church, started a Christian school, had an institute. And uh, when they called me, I had never heard of Faith Baptist Bible College. And so I think I'd driven through Iowa twice in my lifetime. <laughs> and uh, so I had to get Flew my... Flew over the other times? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I had to get my atlas out and find out where Des Moines was. And, <laughs> um, and nice. so then came down and uh, got to meet everyone here. And just through uh, work of God, God made it clear that this is what he wanted us to do. So mm. uh, very hard to leave a church that we'd really seen... Uh, God do amazing work. It was primarily a first generation church. Mm. And uh, we started with 10 people, uh, went up as missionaries, and then after three years became fully supported. And when we left, our church was running between five and 600. And uh, almost uh, all new believers mm. and uh, had a lot of new believer problems, but uh, it was a blessing. And uh, we have three children. So one is our daughter and son-in-law are still up in Canada with our two grandchildren. Mm. And then we have a son and his wife who live in the Des Moines area. And then our youngest daughter and her husband live in the Des Moines area. So, um, And I would just say faith has been uh, a really great work of God. We've seen God do some amazing things over the years. We've been through a lot. Mm. Uh, we had a, Storms. a storm that came through, flooded 11 buildings on our campus. And... Um, Insurance didn't cover it, and people came from all over America to help us rebuild. And we were, the flood happened June 30th. I'll never forget the date. And uh, that gives you about five and a half weeks to get ready for your first day of classes. And we still started on time. Oh, man. Uh, Thankfully to God's people who gave and and supported us. And um, really, God's just done so many amazing things. We have the seminary building where we're recording from Mm -hmm. right now, Uh, we built Damakos Hall. And uh, But the spirit on our campus is amazing. We just got ranked number one in the state of Iowa for education this yes. year. Yes. Uh, right. So that's a, that's a big deal. And uh, with Refresh Conference, our students on their own volunteer to serve. I go in the Wednesday night before. We had over 100 students there uh, volunteering. A uh, pastor and his wife couldn't afford to come. And uh, so we said, well, you can come for free. And, and yet that's still they still had to get the money to come here. Mm. And our students heard about that need. And on their own, they just took up an offering. And uh, raised three hundred dollars, and uh, they've taken the names of every registered pastor and his wife, 
and have been praying for them for over the last week. And um, I think all the ladies who are attending today will all get a handwritten letter from one of the girls in our dorm. And all of that is student-led. None of that is administration-led. And so that spirit on campus is exciting. And um, I'm certainly passionate about the topic that you've chosen for today. I just love hearing that testimony about the students here. It makes me all the more glad to be here and have opportunity to step into this conference here in a few hours. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, And we're excited. Our students are excited to serve. Uh, God's servants. And uh, we really see it that way as these are the people on the front lines mm. and what we can do to invest in them. And a lot of our students, they want to be in that role themselves someday. So that's very exciting. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've always been, uh, uh, been, inc- I've learned a lot from you and you've only been here for a few years. You've been at different men's retreats and uh, different things that I've been to. And uh, I'm always struck by um, just how you, when you approach it, it, it talking about these things that, uh, it's never high-minded. It's just very down-to-earth and always, always, always impactful. And so I'm really excited about you talking today uh, about uh, about the topic we're looking at. So um, t- tell us a little bit now as we get into our topic of uh, uh, Internet accountability. What have you come to understand when it comes to the epidemic of pornography addiction amongst Christians? And what, uh, what should the individual believer do? As far as the need, I would say that it's probably one of the biggest challenges in our churches. Mm. Uh, It's certainly one of the biggest challenges in our youth groups and with our Christian teenagers. I speak at teen camps um, all the time, and I always speak on moral purity, and I always say, unless you're stronger than Samson, Mm. a man after God's own heart better than David, and you're smarter than Solomon, then you don't need any challenges on moral purity because all three of those failed in this area of moral purity. And yet most of us would say we're not smarter than Solomon, we're not a man after God's own heart better than David, and we're not stronger than Samson. And yet too many people are trying to handle it on their own. Mm. Uh, I think one problem is our churches aren't talking about it, Mm. and we're not creating a culture where it's okay to admit that I'm struggling. And uh, even, I would say, in a lot of Christian colleges, if you admit that you're struggling in this area, uh, you're kicked out or, Mm. or you're shunned. Um, here at Faith, uh, I tell our students, you can tell us anything in the first two weeks. We won't kick you out. Yeah. Uh, we're here to help you. And I would say that when I speak on moral purity, well north of 75% of teenagers will admit they're struggling. Yeah. Uh, I would say the ones that come to Faith are required to have a testimony, uh, and a large percentage of them come struggling. Yeah. And so it's a big problem. Yeah. And But I say, you know, the common cold and the common flu are bad too. Mm. Um, so though it's a common problem, and I think what happens when you're struggling with pornography is you think you're the only one. Mm. And you don't realize that actually a lot of people, in fact, probably a majority of people are struggling, yeah. and primarily because of its access. Mm. You know, when I was a teenager, I grew up in a small town. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have a cell phone. Mm. And so if you wanted to go to pornography, you had to risk going into a small store where someone could see you walk in there. Yeah, and in my town, you weren't going to take that risk. Yeah. Today, I mean, what teenager doesn't have a cell phone? Mm. Uh, and if you talk to parents, when there's a technology issue, who do parents go to? Yeah. They need their kids because yeah. the kids yeah. understand technology. And it's not that parents don't want to protect their kids. Often they don't know how. Yeah. And so because of all those factors and children just having access, I mean, you're seeing two-year-olds that can run an iPad better than mom and dad. Yeah. And so they, they're growing up in a technology that, that yeah. most adults didn't grow up with. It's, yeah. I would say it's their native language. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I, uh, young people today, they're just digital. Mm-hmm. And yep. so 
but the danger of that is is tremendous access to pornography. And I think the challenge is, unlike other addictions, uh, if you're addicted to drinking, I can tell. Mm. If you're addicted to drugs, I can tell. If you're addicted to gambling, I can tell. But pornography is one of those addictions you can have for years and nobody can tell. Yeah. But eventually it'll catch you. Yes. And uh, often in big ways, often in catastrophic ways. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things you said before that I never forgot is that they say that cell phones changed our lives, but smartphones revolutionized or transformed our lives. Talk a little bit about that. It, it, and how, how does that, uh, how does the, the modern cell phone just kind of, uh, smartphone kind of just make it even worse? Well, one thing with the smartphone is back in the day, you had to ask adults for information. Hmm. No one has mm-hmm. to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't need to talk to an adult. I can Google anything I want to know. And so what what has caused, it's caused a disconnect. Mm. And so I'm not looking to adults for information. I'm not really looking even for guidance like I should be because I can find out everything I need on my smartphone. Yeah. And so it's made them very independent. But it's also because of the 24-7 news cycle, yeah. a lot of teenagers and young people are very anxious. Uh, because mm. they're just having all this thrown at them all the time. Mm. I'm anxious. Yeah. <laughs> a lot about, I mean, yeah. Man, it gets overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, it does. Definitely. And especially for young people. So I think that those are areas where a smartphone has really transformed yeah. uh, how we interact. It's, and you know, and I, I think you can also, when we're talking about the idea of anxiety that's produced by things on their cell phones, 24-7 access to information, um, that kind of might fuel even worse, you know, pornography addiction because sin thrives in the darkness. It also thrives when there's shame, right? When there's anxiety. I was going to say anxiety is one yeah. of the common, yeah. not only causes, but yeah. an area where somebody's dealing with that pornography becomes that medication. That, yeah. Well, that, that numbing, it, that numbing out from the anxiety. As, as they do any study on addiction, what they'll find is your addiction essentially is medicating your problems. It's, it's numbing you so that you don't. Um, you don't feel. And the frightening thing is, eventually what happens is sin numbs you to the point where you don't feel in your conscience anymore. And that's a frightening reality. That's the scariest part, I think, about sin in anything to me, is that it, you can't feel it anymore in your conscience. And you don't know it's there until it, it's too late. Right. It takes you out. What 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 do individual believers do? It sounds like you you've already talked a little bit about the idea of it thrives in the darkness a little bit, and and they think they're their own. What's kind of the first step in working through a pornography addiction when someone says, "Yeah, I got a problem. I, I got to do something about it." What do I do? I personally believe the first step, and I, we've seen a lot of people have victory mm-hmm. here at Faith and with working with teenagers, and and I would say the common theme was when they were finally willing to talk to someone about it, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll find in. In James, the Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, you know, there's some people, they say they're praying for me, and I'm like, big deal, you're not very spiritual. Mm. But there's other people who, when they say they're praying for me, uh, makes a big deal. Mm. But he says in the verse before that, whoso confesses and forsakes his sin shall have mercy. You Mm. know what I mean? And and I think if if we recognize that if I'm willing to confess, there's something about that that's healing. And... Satan does everything he can to keep us from doing that. Mm. And I have teenagers who say, if, if I tell my mom and dad, they'll kill me. And I say to young people, I've never met a dead teenager yet for that <laughs> reason. And yeah. uh, actually, a lot of parents, they're not shocked that mm. their teens are struggling. Uh, they just didn't know. Yeah. And and often, now that's not every parent. Some yeah. parents respond poorly, and then yeah. that hurts yeah. your opportunity mm-hmm. to try and help your teenager. Exactly. Yeah. But when you can come and understand, hey, 
there's this idea out there that if you struggle with pornography, you're somehow warped or twisted. And that's just so untrue in our culture today. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a common problem, but, but you can have a victory and God wants you to have one. And so, um, I think if you can come and recognize that God can help you, yeah. but the first step, and, and I have people who say, well, I can handle it. You know, I can deal with this. And so I make a deal with young people and I say, okay, here's what we'll do. If you're going to tell me you're never going to look at pornography again, and you can maintain that, no problem. But I would say, without talking to someone, I, I would say that's probably not true. Mm. And the next time you fail. And you will. And you will. But the next time you fail, you prove that you, you didn't do it on your own. Mm. Then make a promise to yourself that you will then go and talk to your parents mm. or your youth pastor or if you're here at Faith Student Life. Um, but you need to go talk to someone. And, and I would just say that's the common denominator of, of the start to getting better mm. is because sin and Satan wants you to keep it private. And, and to use a text of scripture that, that goes along with what you're saying, right? God wants you to have victory. First Thessalonians 4, uh, First Thessalonians 4 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. In other words, you're separate from sin, that you would abstain from sexual immorality. Pornography does indeed fit under that rubric of sexual immorality. And that that you can't make the excuse that says, uh, well, I guess God just wants me to struggle with this sin. No, it's not true. He, he, his will for you is that you would have victory over it. The verse I meant to read is uh, James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another yeah. that you may be healed. Yeah. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I think, you know, James is telling you now, we don't believe in the Catholic system, mm-hmm. but there is something about, confessing my faults to one another and praying for mm-hmm. another so I can be healed. And yeah. so I think that's the start. I mean, I think the key is to love God more than you love sin. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when people are trying to help people with pornography, their focus is just to get them to stop looking at pornography. And I would just say that's never successful. Mm. I mean, similar to a parable uh, where someone cleans out their house mm-hmm. and the demons come by and it's finally clean mm-hmm. and then it's even worse. Yeah. And the problem was that the f- whole focus was trying to stop. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of principles in Scripture of put off and put on. Amen. And we all make choices on what we love. Mm-hmm. And when I love God more, that's when I'll stop looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. So when we're working with people, our passion is let's get you to love God. Let's start yeah. reading your yeah. Bible every day. Yeah. Let's memorize Scripture. Let's pray. Yeah. Our focus isn't stay away from pornography. Right. Um, and I, and I would say having a first-generation church, uh, I would say I had the largest group of ex-smokers and ex-drinkers. Wow. But we didn't preach against smoking and drinking. We pre- you know, their first problem is get to know God. Yeah. But as they got to know God on their own, they would say, you know what, I, I'm not going to keep drinking anymore. I'm not going to keep smoking anymore. Yeah. And, and I think the same is true with pornography, yeah. that it's as you get to know God and love Him more, that you'll say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore because it's hurting God. Yeah. And... But it is a very strong addiction. Yeah. That reminds me of a book that my dad, my dad's a biblical, biblical counselor, a book he recommended was this old Puritan book by Thomas Chalmers called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just that idea that you can't just say, take your eyes off of this, but there needs to be, because we're humans, we have affections. We have to have something to set the affection onto. So yeah, yeah like, like you're saying, we can't just say, stop looking at pornography. We need to be turning and looking to the Lord, his yeah. glory, his beauty. His, his grandeur. Right. Amen. Yeah. And pornography in its very nature is very selfish. Mm. It's all about me. It's self-gratification. Mm-hmm. It's all about, I don't have to involve anyone else. I, this is just, I can do it at my time, when I want mm-hmm. to. And, you know, that is so against everything in Scripture. 
And and yet it's a hard thing to break once you get caught up in it. Very good. Yeah, and, and and not to say that there isn't a principle of like Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out, or if your hand offends you, cut it off. That's an important element too. But there's a, there's one thing to put up a shield to protect it from coming in, but you also have to have a sword to battle the issues of your heart, and that is where the love of God comes in, the pursuance of Christ. Um, it, it is your sanctification, as Second Corinthians three describes, that you move from one level of glory to the next, that is changed into the image of Christ as you pursue Him. That's what's going to be, and as Doctor Tillotson saying, that's what's going to lead you to a place of loving God more. And as a result of that, your sins start to kind of get sloughed off, essentially. Let's talk about the next set of questions here. You've preached on this topic multiple occasions. How should a pastor broach the topic of pornography to his congregation? I would say in a lot of churches, we don't talk about it. Yeah. And so, and I do think you have to be discreet, mm-hmm. um, but I do think you need to talk about it. And I think you should preach through text. There's lots of, you know, how many times you read the word fornication Mm-hmm. Well, we don't use that word anymore. So mm-hmm. what does fornication mean? Well, it comes from a Greek word, pornea, mm-hmm. which we get our English word pornography from. And so preach through those texts. Uh, I especially like First Thessalonians 4. Mm-hmm. You know, This is the will of God that you abstain from fornication. And then it gives you five verses on the topic. And so I would recommend pastors to preach through those topics mm-hmm. and because I think then people understand. I think sometimes, too, when we're always topical, Yeah. If you're in a small church, the danger is people who have that struggle think you're picking on them. Mm. Where if you're preaching through books of the Bible, when it's in that section, no one feels picked on because you said, well, that was where I left <laughs> off last week. <laughs> Amen. And so um, I think when you're, and I, but I just think I would, I would pick First Thessalonians. Let's, mm. let's preach through this book because I know I'm going to hit pornography. I know this is a common problem. If I was a youth pastor, uh, I would absolutely be talking very directly and talking with parents. Um, so, uh, I think a pastor needs to broach the topic. I also think the pastor needs to broach it from the perspective that it's a common problem. Mm. Um, you know, I think you can, God loves sinners. Mm. And I think sometimes we c- it's easy to come down hard on sins we don't have. Yeah. And I think that if you can come across gracious uh, and say, boy, I know this is a common problem. I know this is a struggle, but I also know you can have a victory. Mm. It's funny when you work with young people, if you ask them, how many of you think you can stop drinking and never drink again? Lots of teens will put their hand up. Hmm. You say, how many of you think you could quit doing drugs and never do drugs again? Lots of them will put their hand up because they've never had those struggles. But then you ask, how many of you think you can quit looking at pornography and never look at pornography the rest of your life? No hands go up. Hmm. Why? Because they've all tried and they failed. And in fact, rarely do you meet teen young people that love pornography in the sense that they don't want to quit. Mm. A lot of them, when they get into it, they do want to quit, but they feel like they just keep failing, and then they just give up. Yeah. And I think that when we preach on this, I think we need to come with the compassion that says, hey, we understand this is a common problem, yeah. but you can have a victory, and and we're going to help you have a victory. And so, but I think if we come down hard and, you know, you're a pervert if you're struggling with pornography, that just drives people into hiding. Yeah. More than saying, oh, I actually could talk to someone. I I have a problem and I need help. I love how you bring out that Christ loves sinners. Our Lord loves sinners. And he has not dealt with us according to our sins. (laughs) Praise God. Hasn't he? Yeah. And and as a result of that, how how ought we to emulate our Lord 
who did not deal with us according to our sins, but ministered grace upon grace to those who would come to us and, and say the same things. Did we not do that with our own sins to God? It's a, um, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I appreciate, appreciate you bring out the right way and the wrong way, right? Because the wrong way is if you come down heavy, it's, 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 uh, not like Christ. But, uh, what, what about, what about churches? Uh, do you think like a church should just, you know, start up a, uh, um, you know, a men's Bible study and under the guise of it being more about sexual purity or what, how could a church kind of take on that mantle of, uh, of dealing with pornography. <laughs> I actually do. This is what's funny in my church. I hadn't thought this through. And so I put a sign-up list saying I was going to have a class on pornography. And when a church of new Christians, guy just went and signed up. And mm. so, which I hadn't thought about how they might. And I walked in my first session and they're all confessing. They're like, oh yeah, I struck. Because new believers, they just want a victory. Mm. And what I find in a lot of established churches is we want everyone to think we're perfect. Uh-huh. And so we don't want anyone in the church to know that we're not perfect, that we don't have problems. But when you have new believers, they're all like, I'm a mess. I just got saved. And, right. and I have a lot of issues. But I find in a church of new believers, they're not judgmental. Hmm. And I think that when we build a culture in our churches of discipleship, then we're building a culture. It's okay to admit you're not perfect. And we don't hate you for that. Uh, we're not going to judge you for that. We're going to come alongside you, and we want to help you, and you can have a victory. You can do this. And very few people, look at the sins we struggle with. How many of us, God speaks to us in a sermon, and we walk out of that service and never fail in that area again? Hmm. Almost Hmm. none of us. Right. And so when people are struggling with pornography, it's shocking. If Of course, they're going to struggle along the way, but it should be getting farther and further apart. And eventually, I believe they can have a victory. I believe you can never look at pornography again. Just like I believe you can never drink again and yeah. never do drugs again. But if you had someone who had that background, would they tell you, boy, some days I just want a beer so bad? Yeah. It's still a temptation because yeah. they've been there. Um, mm-hmm. But they fight against it and they have a victory. And I think yeah. that um, I would recommend, and at late, it's the biggest problem for women as it is men today. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's good to have a Bible study on moral purity. Um, and I think... Uh, in a lot of established churches, maybe no one shows up because they think just by showing up, they're saying they have a problem. But right. if we can build a culture of accountability, and I would even pitch it, if you're a dad, you're going to have to help your sons and daughters through oh, this. Yeah. Yes. So you need to take this class. So then that takes the pressure off of dad right. and just says, oh, I need to go here because I got to help my kids. And having been a former youth pastor, I would say parents wait too long to have that conversation. Yeah. I mean... Often when I talk to dads who think they're going to have it at 12, you're already years too late. And just look at, I mean, kindergartners are dealing with stuff in our public school systems. And so I tell parents, you know, somewhere between 8 and 10, you need to start having conversations uh, and and make it age appropriate. You know, and and, but I just think in a lot of because it's an awkward topic, we don't talk about it with our kids. Right. And that's a big mistake. And I think if you're a pastor, you got a great chance to shepherd your people yeah. and kind of help your men and women, help moms and dads go, hey, you need to get comfortable talking about this. Because if you don't talk to them, they're going to learn it through pornography. Yeah. They're going to learn it from the people around them. Right. And I think you want to be the biggest voice in your kid's life. Yeah. And so I think having classes that help teach that. And then what's this is the blessing of a church is when the whole body buys in. Hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if you have... 
if you have five young families, but they're all getting the same teaching and they're all hearing the same thing about, hey, we all need to be intentional. We all need to be investing in our kids and they're all buying in. They're friends with each other. They're all doing it together. They're all struggling together. They're all, oh man, I waited too long. Okay, but let's do it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think the fun part of a church is is helping people get on the same page. Yeah. And this is such an issue. I, and personally, I think it's killing our churches. Agreed. I think it's a bigger problem than anyone realizes. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of churches, we've gotten good at hiding sin rather than good at confessing sin. And here at Faith, I'm always on our students, learn to be good at confessing sin. Mm. Don't get good at hiding sin. Yeah. And the thing with pornography is, at college age level, I I say to teens and college students, this is the best time of your life to deal with this. Yeah. Because after you get married or have a ministry, it's oh. it's a lot bigger problem yeah. and a lot more complicated. And there's a lot more at risk. Like you have a marriage that becomes at risk. Right. The life of your children within that marriage comes in risk. Exactly. If you are a leader in a ministry, not just the ministry itself crumbling, but you have so many people that look to you as an example. Like I, there was a gentleman back in Mississippi where I used to live. He was a uh, youth evangelist. I went to a lot of conferences where he taught. And then when I moved out here to do my ministry training, news stories started coming out about an arrest that was made um, on this gentleman for sexual misconduct. And for a few weeks, it rocked me. Right. It's like, him? Hmm. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't even like really wrap my mind around. I was like, no, I saw the news stories. I knew it was true, but in my head, I just couldn't get there. Right. But then finally wrestling with me like, okay, yeah, this man that I thought was Superman of Christianity, if you will, somebody that I knew anyway, um, is now behind bars because of sexual misconduct. It was just like, yeah, it, it'll rock the world of a believer if there's somebody that you think very highly of and then they they fall in that way. There's there's so much at risk if there it's, not, yeah. it's not dealt with. And trying to help young people look ahead to see that. Mm. That, hey, someday you will meet someone you love, you do want to spend the rest of your life with. That's not when you want to deal with pornography. Mm-hmm. You want to deal with it now. Yep. And you don't want to be a pastor of a church and have this come out. You want to deal with it now. Yeah. And I mean, we even just think, what, just a year ago, the world's leading apologist. Yeah. Um, in fact, when that first came out, I didn't believe it personally. I mm. thought, oh, it's a smear job. Right. And then when his own ministry, ministry came out and said it is true, and all the publishers pulled his books, you know, that it's just like David said with his sin with Bathsheba, you've given great reproach to the enemies of Christ. Mm. But you really hurt young people because young people lose hope. Right. I mean, they're like, if if he failed, what chance do I have? And I think that's, and if they've been in a youth group under a pastor and a pastor fails, the teenagers are just like, well, if he fails, how do I have a chance? And Mm. we need men and women to be a good example. That's the danger of apathy starts to come in in this conversation where there's the idea, well, everybody has this problem. Or if that that individual can't um, overcome it, there becomes a danger of somebody being like, well, what's the point of fighting it? I might as well just live with it. Right. And yeah, it's got to be something we have to have to be able to address that apathy that can slide in there. Right. Who was it that said, be killing sin or it will be killing you? John Owen. Yeah, John Owen. Yeah, that's um, put to death the deeds of the body to say it as the Apostle Paul. And it's a it it should be something we ask God in our devotions every day. Oh, God, sanctify me. Cut off sin from me. Let me live righteously, soberly, godly today because um Sin is a a terrible reality, yet still. And you know what, Sean and I were talking about this before we started recording. It's like, 
I look forward to my glorified body yeah. <laughs> uh, when this will all be done away with and, uh, and no longer uh, a part of that of anybody's life and we'll have great cause for rejoicing. So just one thing real quick on a, a slide and there's, as we're talking about this victory and this idea. Um, a few years ago or several, several years ago, I read a book by Heath Lambert called mm-hmm. Finally Free. Yeah, it's a good one. And mm-hmm. in there, he talks about the idea of immediate repentance. Yeah. That when even the thought comes in of, I should go get my phone and go look at some stuff or go do this or go do that, that we confess the thought to God immediately. Even when we realize that it's wrong, we don't act on it. Just immediate repentance of even that desire that is still stirring in us. Mm. And for me, that was huge. This idea of where it's not just letting that desire kind of simmer there. I I didn't Mm. go get my phone. I didn't go to the computer. Right. But even realizing that that desire being there is dangerous and I need to repent and confess that now. Yeah. That was... That was huge. So what can a church do for those who are perhaps uh, repentant yet silently bound in their secret sin? I think we talked about that, but what do we do about somebody who's not repentant? Well, I I think this would be true of any unrepentant sin. Eventually, it will become a church discipline issue. I mean, and so um, I personally worked with people a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, so because, again, I, I think just like if you're instantly repenting, church discipline is not for sin. It's for unrepentance. That's right. If it was for sin, we'd all be disciplined out of the mm. church. You know, so if I'm working with someone who's working on it, that's very different than someone who said, Hey, I know it's sin and I don't care. Mm. I'm going to keep doing this. Well, now that's an issue. Yeah. And um, I think that's when a church has to walk down that path of church discipline because you have someone who is knowingly sinning. And this would be true of any sin, not just pornography, but mm. if they're knowingly sinning and they're refusing to repent, yeah. then it's the responsibility of the church. And, you know, church discipline is not to be an Amish shunning. Mm. You know, I always say the reason church discipline doesn't work is in most churches there wasn't good relationships to begin with. Mm. You know, the point of church discipline is I can't have a relationship with you till you get right. And a lot of people who say, well, big deal. I didn't have any relationships yeah. before anyway. But in a healthy church where people are close and they do love each other, and you go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry, you keep up doing this. I can't have you over for dinner. Yeah. You're supposed to have such good relationships that that person is like, oh man, I, this isn't worth it. I, and and unfortunately, we don't have that in a lot of our churches. But right. I think when you have a a healthy church, the point of church discipline is restoration. Amen. The yeah. goal is not to punish; the goal is to restore. And so, if you have someone that's just refusing to repent, regardless of the topic, then I do think the church has a responsibility to follow the steps of church discipline. Yeah. So just so you're aware, you know, that Matthew 18 outlines that, right? The, mm-hmm. you, you, you go and um, confront the person. If they don't repent, bring two or three witnesses. If they don't repent, bring it before the church. And then at that point, they're excluded from fellowship should they not repent at that point. And, and uh, God can do great things through faithful people who are willing to do that. I think as, as you're talking about, some people are kind of thinking, oh, I don't think they'll listen to me. It's like, well... You, if you love them, give it a try. Do Absolutely. that and call them out because you love them, and that's the that's the point of it. As you said, it's restoration, not uh, not self-aggrandizement, not self-exaltation, or or anything along that line. So, um, what do you point to that would give someone hope? Say there, say somebody's listening, and it's like, yeah, you're hitting at everything that uh, uh, that that I need to think about. What hope do I have to get done with this? To move past all these things? Well, I haven't heard all the sermons this week yet, but I think you should listen to Refresh Conference. Our theme is the blessed hope, Mm. living righteously, looking eternally. When you lose hope, that's when you give up. Mm. 
Yeah. When you lose hope, that's when someone commits suicide. That's when people go through a divorce. That's when people quit the ministry. Mm-hmm. It's always because they lose hope. And Satan loves to crush hope. And he gets a lot of people who tried to quit and legitimately tried, but failed to get them hopeless and mm-hmm. say, I, I can never have a victory. I tried. It didn't work. And the hope is Christ. You know what I mean? And, and uh, all through Scripture, and I'm sure we'll hear lots of messages on this, um, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. I mean, uh, God can do what you can't do. And that's why you can't have a victory in pornography on your own. You yeah. can't, you can't oh. toughen up. You can't be strong enough. Um, but the Bible says there's no temptation taken you, such as is common to man, that God does not provide a way of escape. Um, the Bible says when you get saved, old things are passed away, all things become new. Uh, the Bible says there's nothing too hard for God. And so if you are willing to work with God, he'll help you have a victory and, and it will be a God victory. Mm. And you'll look back and say, God helped me do that. I, I, I couldn't have done that on my own. And I heard this. People with alcohol or drugs. I mean, I've had people say, I tried quitting drinking, never could do it. And I just thought, you know what? God gave 100% for me. I'm going to give 100% for God. Mm. I don't know if I can do it or not, but if I can go a year without drinking, I'll give a testimony. Mm. And a year later, up would go a hand. I just want everyone to know I haven't had anything to drink in the last year. What? How'd that happen? Mm. I would say that was because of God. And I think the hope is Christ. And so God can do what you can't do. And then I also think there are great examples. There's lots of people who used to struggle in this area, who've had a victory, who've gone year, two year, three year, five years, and have not looked at pornography. And and so when you say, not only is there hope in Christ, but there are good examples. Yeah. And and there are people who said, I used to struggle, and man, God's given me a victory, and I haven't I haven't looked at pornography in in a decade. Mm. You know, praise God for those people. And I think that we need more of them. Yeah. I mean, I think we also have bad examples, but I think the hope is Christ, number one, and then number two. There are great examples around. And so Satan wants to crush hope. He wants yeah. you to think that it's impossible. Uh, I mean, there's another verse in script with God, nothing is impossible. Right. And so you can have a victory, but you're going to have to do it with God's help. Mm. And I also personally believe with accountability. Yeah. It's just, this is one of those sins that you need. You need an accountability partner. And, you know, it's weird how people pick accountability partners. You know, they they hear a message, I need an accountability partner, so they go through the church directory and pick a guy. And I'm like, oh, your accountability partner needs to be your best friend. Mm. You know, not your spouse. Who's who's your best friend outside of your spouse? And if it is your pastor, great. But if it's another guy in the church, great. But who who are you going to be honest with? And who could rebuke you and you'd take it? Like if if I don't know you and you rebuke me, I'm gonna get ticked off. Yeah, I'm gonna get defensive. But if you're my best friend and you're like, man, I love you, but you're messing up here, mm. I'll take that in a very different way. And that's what accountability is for. And I think that a lot of men, especially, we're so independent. Mm. We don't build any friendships. We don't build accountability partners. We don't let anyone in our life because mm-hmm. we're tough. We're a man. We can handle it. And yet, the whole of Scripture, forty-one and others in the New Testament. I mean, woe to him who falls how? Yeah. When he falls alone. And that's what a lot of guys are trying to do with pornography. They're trying to have a victory alone, and it's not working. Yeah. And and that they keep trying, and then they eventually quit trying. But I would say the guys who finally go and tell someone and get help, and they're honest, I've seen lots of those guys have victory. And so, you know, and it's God-infused. Yeah. You know, it's God doing the work, but there is something about getting an accountability partner and uh, I mean, the first thing God says isn't good. It's not good for man to be alone. 
And so when we're struggling, we're so busy trying to hide the sin, let everyone think we're fine, that we end up withdrawing from close relationships because we have a lot to hide. Mm. And kind of as you mentioned earlier, the later in life this gets, the more is at risk. And you know what's funny? In a first-generation church, a lot of couples came for marriage help. And guys, you know, who had had affairs or were involved in pornography, and and the wife would always say, "I knew something was wrong. Mm. I, I didn't know what was wrong, mm. but I knew something was wrong." And I had guys who think she'll she'll never forgive me, and yet I saw God put so many couples back together, and I get notes on their anniversary, and yeah. they're closer than they've ever been, and their marriage is the best it's ever been, and they just say, "Hey, thank you so much," yeah. and. Again, coming back to those are the testimonies that prove you can do it. Yeah, You can have a victory, and it will change your marriage in a good way. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks, oh, if I tell my spouse it's going to be over. Actually, it's the opportunity for a new beginning. Yeah, And you're going to find that your spouse, when you're walking with God and doing things right, you're going to be a better husband and a yeah. better wife. Yeah. You're going to love them better, and they're going to love that. Yeah, And I would just say what I've seen in counseling, it's amazing how much people can forgive mm. if we're willing to confess. Yeah, I think if somebody is saying that my spouse will never forgive me, I think the reality you need to think of is if you keep going in the direction and not saying something, it's a whole lot worse than if you actually did tell your spouse. It, uh, you know, grab your pastor, a controlled environment, and 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 somebody who can help with that and and talk with them about it, and um, it, it'll go, it'll do so much more for you. It's an amazing thing. Absolutely, amazing thing. Uh, I've just. I've always been blessed by these conversations and, and uh, uh, this topic and talking with you on this. Could you give maybe some final, perhaps to somebody, uh, uh, a warning to those who wouldn't repent? I think if, well, you have two issues. If you're not saved, mm-hmm. your greatest danger is paying for your sins in a terrible, horrible place called hell. Mm-hmm. That's not worth it. If you are saved, the Bible says that he's going to, those he loves, he chastens. Yeah. And, it's always amazing, and you know, you think of the great examples, Jonah. You know, Jonah is told to go to Nineveh. He says, "There's no way I'm doing this." Uh, somehow, he tells everyone on the ship he's running from his God. Storm comes up; they'll come to him and say, "Who's your God?" And he says, "Well, my God's the God of the sea." <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, that's a problem." <laughs> and uh, so they tell him, "What what do we need to do to live?" And what would anyone with two brain cells connecting? Well, we need to turn the ship around and go to Nineveh. Mm. Remember what Jonah says. The only option is to chuck me overboard. Mm. And what Jonah is saying is, I would rather die than obey God. Mm. Chapter two, he's wrapped in seaweed. He's deep. Mm. And last air bubbles coming out. And it says, when my soul fainted within me, I cried unto the Lord. Mm. And God had prepared a fish. We know that. Swallowed him. Pukes him out on shore. And I always tell people, when we get stubborn, Mm. did he end up where God wanted him to be? He did. But you're going to either go by boat or you're going to go by barf. And a lot of people go by barf. Mm. And it has to get ugly and messy. How many times in, in – I mean, you guys are pastors. Mm. How many times do married couples come in and they got caught? Mm. I mean, I've had guys, their wife gets on their phone and catches them. or you know, And now, now they're willing to repent. Well, now it's a bigger problem. Mm. And you're like, why did you wait so long? Why why did it have to get this bad 
before you're willing to repent. But now it's a big problem. Mm. It raises and, the question too, is it really repentance? Because there's a difference right. between confession and being caught. That's Correct. something else Heath Lambert talks about. Yeah. Big right. difference. Caught and confessing. Those are two different. And, I, and I've seen both. You know, I've seen, because getting caught gives you an option it does, to yeah. repent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you get caught is the catalyst to say, I got to repent. Yeah. I, th- this is... This is not worth it. Yeah. And I, you're right. I, there's other people who get caught and they, they don't repent. Yeah. And usually, and the spouse usually can tell. Yeah. And uh, the guys who repent, I've seen the wives forgive and restore. And the guys who aren't repentant, the wife usually can tell. And so I just think that it's going to get messy. Yeah. It's going to re- get really ugly if you're going to harden your heart. And mm-hmm. so the warning is, and, and often, I like what someone once said, we can choose our sin, but we can't choose our consequences. Right. And when we walk down the path of sin, God loves us too much to just let it go. Mm. And often he just lets us have our own way because we'll self-destruct and we'll ruin all the things we care about. And uh, I remember a, a lawyer, I was walking through the airport and he was a Christian lawyer. That's why I made the front page of the U.S. News and World, uh, U.S. News Today. And he had he had been caught sexting a woman that he never met in person. And she kept all of those texts and then she released all of them. And when that hit the news and it made front page news, his pictures on there, he was making $5 million a year. He was let go of his job. But I just thought, how would you imagine that conversation went with the kids? Mm. Oh, dad, I saw your picture. Oh, Oh, I saw your picture. I mean, I would not want that. And I think when you look at that, that's where you, you're going to end up if you won't repent. And Jonah had to learn the hard way. Samson, I mean, look at Samson. Strongest man, the modern-day Hulk, gets with Delilah. You know, they say, hey, find out the secret to his strength. She loves him so much, she says, sure, no problem. You know, and so she asks him, what's the secret? He says, new ropes. You tie me up in new ropes and week as a kid. She wakes him up the next day, tied in new ropes and, and bad guys. And he beats him up, they run away. You know, what didn't cross his mind? Isn't that weird? Mm. <laughs> I've, I've never woken up, tied up in new ropes and bad guys. And then she <laughs> says, well, you know, lied to me. How could you lie to me? Well, now it's it's bowstrings. You tie me up in bowstrings. Same thing. Weave my hair in seven locks. Same thing. I mean, unbelie- sin makes you dumb. It does. Mm-hmm. And finally, he tells her the truth. You know, I have a Nazarite vow. She has him come in, shave off all of his hair. If you read in the text, the Bible says the bad guys are in his bedroom when he wakes up. Mm. And uh, he went out as before and did not realize that the power of the Lord had departed mm. from him. Yeah. And and this time they plucked out his eyes. Mm. And he grinds corn where they used to use a cow. Why use a cow when you have a Samson? Mm. And eventually he comes to himself and finally repents and finally says, oh God, I'm so sorry. But look at what it cost him. And then he says, you know, God, would you please, I don't want to live the rest of my life like a slave. I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. Could you give me my strength back one last time? And God gives him superhuman strength. I mean, to push out the main pillar of a beam. If you've ever been in any architecture, a human being can't do that. That Mm -hmm. takes superhuman strength, but it cost him his life. And I always just think, if you're going to harden your heart, it's going to be an end like Samson. It's going to be like Jonah. And you don't want that. And yet God promises whom he loves, he chastens. And if you're not getting chastened and going down that path, you have a bigger problem, and that's hell. And so those are the dangers and the warnings. I think the encouragement is all through the Bible, God says when he forgives, he puts as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. 
He says he buries it in the depths of the sea. And when that was written, they didn't have submarines. Mm. They didn't have sonar. Something went over a ship back then. It was gone forever. And that was God's point. And God, all he wants us to do is admit that we're sinning and come to him for forgiveness. And and I love the statement, to be remembered no more, because often in our sin, we still remember it. Mm. But God, when he forgives, makes a, a conscious decision to remember it against us no more. I mean, forgiveness is an amazing concept. Mm. And I think the hope and encouragement is, hey, when you've had enough, when you're finally ready to say, oh, God, I want a victory, I'm going to go talk to someone, I'm going to get in your word every day, I want a relationship with you, God's saying, great, I'm going to forgive you. And all the times you looked at pornography, remembered no more. Amen. And that is a great place to end our time. Folks, um, this has been an encouraging, I think this is going to be a really good one uh, for our listeners and a strong encouragement to myself as well as to others. Uh, Dr. Tillinson, Tillinson, thank you so much for joining us uh, for Theologic, and uh, uh, we look forward to maybe connecting with you another time. Thank you again so much. Absolutely. It's been a really great privilege. I'm so thankful you guys are on our campus and really privileged to talk on this topic. That's my pleasure.